0: Hi everyone, this is Kylene Bogdan, and today we'll be mapping post-workout recovery on the 15-Minute Matrix.
1: Welcome to the 15 Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist, and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important, not only because it invites us to slow down and stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care recommendations and outcomes. Everything is connected. We are all unique and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Kylene Bogdan. Kylene Bogdan enters her fifth season with the Cleveland Cavaliers as the team dietitian and nutritionist. In her role, she directs all facets of performance nutrition as it relates to pre- and post-workout fuel recovery and injury prevention. Kyleen uses functional nutrition, a whole-body, immune, and gut-centric approach to sports nutrition in order to create individualized fueling protocols for players throughout the year. Prior to joining the team, Kyleen worked for Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. While training directly under Dr. Mark Hyman, she had the privilege of treating athletes from all over the world. During this time, she was also the dietitian for Cleveland State University Athletics and John Carroll University football. Kylene, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I was so excited to find you for a number of reasons. I mean, first of all, you bring functional medicine and functional nutrition practices to a much-needed arena, and secondly, you live in Cleveland, which is where my son goes to school, so I felt an affinity yes. for you there. So super <laughs> excited to find you, Kylene, and today we're talking about post-recovery workout. Can you talk into what the body needs to recover after workout and why we might need to think about this kind of recovery differently? Sure. And you know what's interesting? As conventionally trained dietitian to start, my answer would have been
0: pretty different for you five to 10 years ago. Mm. But now from a functional standpoint, it's incredibly different. But I guess to make a long story short, the needs are a bit different for each person. Of course, it depends what your typical diet looks like, what your sleep looks like, what your training regimen looks like. But long story short, I guess the simple answer is that we need to make sure that protein needs are being met. Repair and resynthesis. And we also need to make sure that we're replenishing glycogen stores. So, of course, good quality carbohydrate. And the interesting thing about functional sports nutrition is, you know, we're not encouraging patients, clients, athletes to slam, you know, sugar sweetened or high fructose beverages and pasta here and crackers there. It's more like, all right, black rice,
1: tack, quinoa, amaranth. Really amazing. I love how you're talking into that and really just bringing up the food quality. In what would be recommended and of course from a functional perspective you're talking into how we need to think differently about different factors such as age and gender and fitness level what are some of the other factors that you're considering in a functional approach to that recovery of course
0: Training demands play a major role. You right. know, a gymnast would not need the same nutrition as maybe a marathon runner. Mm. And even working in the NBA, I, I'm watching these guys on the court and it's different every day between practices. So I'm looking at the intensity. I'm looking at what they're doing. And then I would change their meals or the recovery shakes based on that intensity. One day might be higher protein. One day might be higher carbohydrate. But, but that's kind of the epicenter. It's what the training looks like. I think that's probably the most important. And then second, of course, is what their diet looks like throughout the day.
1: And how how is that impacting the kind of macronutrient breakdown? I know a lot of people, like you said, from your past training can get stuck in that thinking. Is there some way that you took that original thinking of the macronutrient breakdown and let's say the needs of protein to help with the muscle recovery and have adapted that over time?
0: yes so in the beginning it was you know macros macros count your macros as long as these needs are being met who cares what the athlete is eating just count those grams and now it's like okay actually i'm going to dive way deeper into their digestion you know Mm. you and i know as practitioners that you don't have to have gastrointestinal symptoms to have poor digestion right so so from an athlete's standpoint You know, if if a guy is working so hard to gain lean mass and I see his diet's great, his recovery's great, his training is pretty intense, but nothing's happening, that's when I think, all right, he's probably not digesting his food. So that's a huge component to this. And I'm definitely looking at that. I mean, I have to ask every athlete what their stool looks like. I know it's awkward, but we go through it at the start of every season because it matters. I don't care if you're a weekend warrior. I don't care if you're the greatest athlete in professional sports. I need to know what it looks like in the toilet because it tells me if it's digesting your food. So I focus more on that because, Someone could have macros perfectly counted by the best dietitian in the country, but if they're not digesting their food, what are we even doing? I'd rather have someone have those numbers a little bit off, but have more, you know, proper digestion, I should say.
1: Yeah. And, you know, poop is a big topic. It's one of our, I like to say it's one of our best diagnostic tools. It's right there. And we can really tell a lot about an individual based on that. How receptive are these NBA athletes to your way of approaching this?
0: tough because it just it just depends on the player depends what they're going through of course those that that feel very good feel energized they're less inclined to listen versus those that are kind of like you know what I am really tired after practice my joints are really sore when I wake up in the morning you know my recovery is taking two to three days now where it used to take 24 hours those are the guys and girls you know I also work with women in my private practice who say all right I'm ready to do this let's make some changes and they are on it you suggest it it's done
1: And are there typical differences that you've seen with those guys, especially high performance guys and the women you work with in your private practice? Are there like baseline difference that you're seeing in those two populations? That's a great question. And so I
0: would say it really depends on sport. I mean, you see a lot of differences in the athletes who have to restrict. uh, Well, they prefer to restrict because they'd like to maintain a certain weight or a certain body composition. But I guess I just think what you see across the board, though, the most common theme is the stress levels tend to be significantly higher in the elite, whether it's good stress or bad stress. Mm -hmm. It may not be, it might, it might be, Oh my gosh, I want to make the Olympic team. It might mean, you know, Oh my gosh, uh, I feel great, but my home life isn't great. Or I'm trying to juggle this, or I'm trying to juggle school and my sport and everything in between the stress level is higher. And because of that um, injury is usually more prevalent and Gut issues are usually more prevalent and sometimes just because their schedules are so crazy and training demands are so intense, they just can't get the nutrients they need day in and day out.
1: It's so fascinating to kind of just look at the center of the functional nutrition matrix and think about how some of these areas are activated just naturally by performance uh, requirements. So let's just talk a little bit about the immune and inflammatory balance because inflammation is happening naturally from working our body, right? You got it. So what do we do? So I love this. It's just, I feel like I could talk about
0: this for hours. But (laughs) one thing I want to make note of is that, you know, a lot of us as practitioners are taught, well, you know, athletes are usually the healthiest of all populations and they don't need additional supplementation. And, but really when you look at this and you look at the matrix, like there's just so much that needs to be done. So for example, think about all my endurance athletes that are running outside 10, 20, 30 miles a day. Detoxification is a big deal. Guess what? They're running past cars that are blowing off, Mm -hmm. you know, fumes and they're running downtown through cities. And I even have, I've had athletes over the years that have worked, or I'm sorry, that have ran through the country. So all the pesticides being sprayed on the crops, I mean, it goes on and on and on, but I guess kind of my go-to to circle back and get around to your question. My little core is a really good quality multivitamin, a really good quality fish oil. I prefer that vitamin D be built into the multivitamin and then high quality tumor. Like that is kind of my little bundle my little baseline bundle to start because it's not possible to train the way these athletes train and get everything you need through food. And then of course it supports everything in the matrix. Just like you said, the immune system, the inflammatory imbalance, we have to work to offset that. And that's kind of my step one, a little safety measure there that any athlete, just about any athlete can safely implement.
1: You're talking about detoxification. I love that. Oxidative stress is also naturally going to happen through pushing our bodies, right? I mean, isn't there just natural free radical production? Big time. Even if you're doing everything you can to take care of your body, it is still going to happen. You are correct. One of the things that I found when I was working with athletes was the desire for performance and high performance as a motivating factor. You talked a bit about how those who are struggling may be more motivated to make change. I was finding that people who just wanted higher performance, like they get kind of stuck or uh hooked on the possibility that they could be even better because we're talking about an elite population with some of these athletes how do you talk to them about diversity in their diet yes and you hit the nail on the head i always start with the line of like this is your
0: 1% you have so much god given talent that's why you're standing here in front of me today but let's take it further. You don't even know your fullest potential until you work on a functional nutrition approach. And so I kind of start with that as the lead. And then we go into that. And then I start to draw connections like, okay, you said you were tired after this workout, or you said, you know, your hamstring felt like this when we did this. Okay, well, this all relates to digestion and oxidative stress and inflammation. And by by making that connection, by making those two puzzle pieces finally fit in the brain, the light bulb kind of goes off. So then I say, all right, here's the most simple approach. Step one here, let's work on eating two different colors at every meal. You know, let's have that big green salad. Let's throw maybe some orange carrots on there, maybe some red peppers. That's so basic. But I then explained that the immune system pretty much, you know, lies in the gut, at least 75 to 80% of it, I would say. And, that's, you know, that's, that's your powerhouse. And if we aren't treating that well, you're never going to reach your full potential. And so there's all these bacteria in the gut, which of course you and I know this, but, but they don't typically understand this And right. I explained to them that we want that balance to be beautiful and diverse, but if you're not eating a variety of food, those bugs in the gut will not diversify. They're going to be boring and the same, and they won't be as um, helpful to your immune system and to your recovery. And so yeah that's exactly how I explain it. And it tends to go over very well.
1: Yeah. Because they're so driven. I do have to ask a little bit about that drive that we see with high performance athletes before we get into some of the practical or more practical pieces on the right side of the matrix. How does that Mm -hmm. drive that overdrive that, um, really, I mean, I I almost want to think of it as like a type A or a perfectionism or that high intensity, how does that play out? positively and sometimes not so positively for the individuals you're working with? Right. It's a
0: blessing and a curse, especially when it comes to functional nutrition. In fact, that's kind of the biggest knock against functional sports nutrition, because as you know, sometimes we rely more heavily on supplementation and we also sometimes rely on removing certain foods or food groups, just depending on that athlete's symptoms. And because of that, and, and if you don't explain very fairly what you're doing and why you're doing it, that type a intense personality can, can unfortunately take it way too far. And they almost kind of fall into this bubble of like, Oh my gosh, these foods are terrible for me. Mm -hmm. If I eat them, I'm never going to, you know, win this game or or become this, this certain weight or weight class. Or, I mean, the list goes on and on, but you have to tread lightly because it's exactly what you said. These are very generally speaking, type a intense human beings who try very hard. They're the best at what they do. And if you don't tailor that and explain, that this is, we're using food as medicine. We're using food as a legal performance enhancement. Some of these changes we make will not be forever. It might just be the next 30 days to see how you feel, to see how you recover. And by explaining it that way, we can kind of take that type A down a few notches to where we don't start trending into disordered eating.
1: Right. Kind of tune into one's own body and really be able to Mm -hmm. uh, measure those outcomes as opposed to, I think the the obsessive behavior comes when people don't understand what they're supposed to be doing and they're fishing, searching. Yeah, that can get into that trap. Let's head over to the right side of the functional nutrition matrix. What I like to think about is the skills. So Mm -hmm. we can't talk about post-recovery nutrition without speaking about sleep and relaxation, right? Absolutely. So what do we need? How are you talking to your clients and patients about sleep and relaxation?
0: Well, I very much dive into the gut-brain connection and how the vagus nerve connects the two. They're constantly communicating. If the gut's not happy, the brain won't be happy, and vice versa. And of course, they know by now that nutrition is a huge component of this. But I don't care how well you eat. If you're not sleeping, if you're on Instagram or playing video games till two in the morning, right. it doesn't really matter how great your diet is. Your melatonin production is all backwards. You're going to wake up exhausted and then it fuels that cycle of, Oh, I need caffeine or I need that rebel or I need, you know, whatever, you name it on the day. And then you're going back into that well, I'm wired. now I can't sleep. So I'm playing video games till two in the morning and it repeats and repeats. So by actually explaining it and making that connection, and tapping into their symptoms like, oh, you were, you know, you were really groggy or you fumbled. You struggled with word finding this morning. I mean, that type of thing. They start to make the connection because they know what's happening, but they don't realize why it's happening.
1: Yeah. And I always say that if we don't address sleep, poop and blood sugar balance as kind of the non-negotiable trifecta, it's hard to build yeah. on top of that. And blood sugar balance, I'm sure is very different for an athlete and somebody who's working out hard because they're utilizing those sugars so readily yeah and in fact just a little fun fact
0: it's funny you'd mention that we have a couple of athletes now just for fun wearing continuous glucose Ooh, monitors love it. and it's interesting right and they're, they're they'll come up to me and they'll say oh my gosh you know I noticed that when I felt the drop and I felt sick you know I ate almonds and I felt a lot better and of course it's funny because you and I learned this in school but but to these athletes it's brand new information but it's cool to see that what we read in the textbooks and in the research papers is actually valid
1: Yeah. And what about hydration? We can't have this conversation without hydration. I do think a lot of athletes overlook this step and could be Mm. faltering because they're improperly hydrated.
0: Absolutely. And sweat rate is genetic,
1: which is interesting. So, In other words, you know, you
0: can have someone that sweats a ton, but they're not losing a ton of sodium, for example. So they may feel okay versus the next athlete is losing sodium left and right, cramping. His eyes are burning because it's falling in his eyes. So you have to, of course, get to know the athlete and their symptoms. But in the functional sports nutrition world, do you know what I see more of is the fact that these athletes who are trying to be very health conscious are only drinking water all day because they think that's the answer. They're afraid of sugar, and I understand that. But, again, you know, poor information is it can almost lead to disorder, eating disorder right. hydration. So yeah. you just have to make sure that good quality electrolytes are being consumed before, during, and after the workout because at this level, water alone isn't enough. So favorite form of
1: electrolytes? I have no affiliation with this brand, but I love Catalyte by Thorn. Okay. Great. Any thoughts about coconut water and the things people think there with electrolytes?
0: Sure, absolutely I mean awesome source of potassium, awesome source of just like a very all natural beverage. I know many of my athletes complain about the taste. So I mean there's that. But <laughs> sure, for your average weekend warrior or, you know, maybe you, you walk briskly. I mean, that's awesome. We just need a little more than that for, for a typical elite athlete.
1: Right. So, Kyleen... Anything else you wish people who were working with the weekend warriors knew to support this community? I mean, not all of us are working with NBA athletes or Olympic athletes, sure. But sure, sure. what do you wish we all knew for those athletes in our lives that we're supporting? Well, one is that if you have the opportunity, especially if insurance covers it, I think it's absolutely worth nutrient deficiency testing, even mm. if you,
0: even if the weekend warrior thinks that it's not relevant and they feel great. It's just such an awesome tool because it's concrete information. It's so tangible. It's just an easy way to help them connect the dots, especially if you have the weekend warrior that's very stubborn. Another big point is my weekend warriors tend to be much heavier on caffeine. And it's so often overlooked because many of us drink it. But the weekend warriors are the ones that are juggling family and typically a job and their training and they're living on caffeine to survive. And think about what that does to cortisol levels and sleep and recovery and everything in between. Sometimes that's actually where I start. To help the athletes who want more energy, better recovery, lose belly fat. Um, I know a lot of my colleagues don't even look at it. So that's just kind of a a fun pointer there.
1: Yeah. And
0: yeah. yeah, So, I mean, so I guess those are my, those are my few tidbits.
1: And for nutrient deficiency testing, I know everybody's going to want to know what your favorite form of nutrient deficiency testing is. So I'm wondering if you'll share that. Sure.
0: I have two favorites. I I like Genova Diagnostics NutriVal and I like the micronutrient deficiency testing offered by Vibrant Labs. Awesome.
1: So much wisdom, Kylene. I really appreciate your way of taking a functional nutrition approach to sports nutrition, sports medicine, and bringing us into your very elite world of athletics is super interesting. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, please go to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, we'd love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com.